0: Something that's often not really thought about is who exactly came up with famous wrestling angles. That's even more bizarre because it means the performers who have to carry them out are under instructions. I'm sure that's fine most of the time, but if you're Hulk Hogan and you've been told to beat Kevin Nash after prodding him in the chest, surely there has to be some part of you that screams, please don't do that. Although it is Hulk Hogan. That goes the other way too. I doubt The Undertaker went to Vince McMahon and explained this elaborate story featuring his long-lost brother Kane, and yet when the Big Red Machine debuted in 1997 everybody went crazy. The Phenom just got to enjoy being part of it. So let's delve deeper into these things and figure out just who was pulling the strings when famous wrestling moments went down. I'm signed for what culture? please remember to subscribe and this is 9 Geniuses Who Were Secretly Behind famous wrestling ideas. Number 9, Sting's Crow gimmick and Scott Hall. Very sadly, Scott Hall passed away recently, but never let it be said that he didn't have an incredible mind for professional wrestling. Even the likes of Triple H, Kevin Nash, Sean Waltman and Shawn Michaels have all said when they traveled together, he was the smartest one of the bunch. He was also responsible for surfer Sting turning into The Crow. Giving Steve Borden the idea when they were backstage at WCW one day, Scott literally said to him, Have you ever seen The Crow? To which Sting replied, No. Hall would describe it as a cool dark character with white face paint and dark lines, and then essentially say, Look, I'm not telling you to rip off The Undertaker, but maybe you should just rip off The Undertaker. Being the cool guy he was, Scott always said afterwards that he didn't need any credit for it, and this was just the right thing to do. But seriously, if the former Reza Ramon had not suggested it, what the hell would have happened in the WCW vs. NWO war because this version of Sting was a major part of that. So once again, it does go to show how well he understood wrestling and sports entertainment. What a damn legend. Number 10, Jimmy Jacobs and the list of Jericho. Chris Jericho is one of the best and most creative wrestlers in history. He has transformed himself so much over the last 20 years that he could be more relevant now than ever, and he never settles for second best. However, despite all of this, it wasn't the Canadian who came up with the list of Jericho that caught fire in 2016 and fueled his relationship with Kevin Owens to unexpected heights. That all came from the brain of then-writer Jimmy Jacobs, who has since returned to the non-WWE scene, suggesting that Jericho not only put people on this list but have a clipboard to boot is a true feather in Jacobs' cap given how much we all enjoyed it. For a while it was the reason to watch Raw. It should be said that Jericho was the one who pulled it off because let's be honest, a lot of other guys and girls would have faded miserably even if the concept was solid. So I bow to them both, They smashed this. Number seven, CM Punk and The Shield. This came straight from the horse's mouth, and there doesn't seem to be any reason to doubt him. But yes, during the infamous appearance on the Art of Wrestling podcast with Colt Cabana, CM Punk spat fire when it came to the WWE, including how it was he who had come up with the idea of what The Shield would be. Feeling like he needed a new direction, Punk suggested to management that Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose were brought up from developmental to be his own personal guards. This was after some WWE personnel wanted Daniel Bryan and the Big Show to fill these roles and Punk didn't like it. Clearly CM saw more of a future aligning himself with up-and-comers. Why this became Roman Reigns and his two brothers seems obvious now, but there is more evidence to the truth of this given at first the Shield were helping Punk out of some jams. Would they have become the force they had if they had gone in this direction? Who knows? And also, where on earth would that have left the big dog. Number six, Chris Jericho and Money in the Bank. In the kayfabe world, Chris Jericho, frustrated that he didn't have anything to do at WrestleMania 21, pitched the Money in the Bank concept to Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff, and the rest is history. It all came to be, and is a stipulation which has been admired ever since. The weird thing is, that's basically what happened behind the scenes as well, except naturally, Jericho went to Vince McMahon, as opposed to the former WCW head honcho. Jericho's original idea was to take a bunch of guys who weren't doing anything on the show of shows and put them in a big fight with the winner getting a title shot on Raw 24 hours later. Then writer Brian Govert suggested there'd be a prize hanging from the rasters instead, and that soon became the Money in the Bank contract. Vince McMahon himself insisted that it be kept in the briefcase and have a 12-month window, and while that was a weird suggestion, ultimately it worked out and then some. you think this would have meant eventually Jericho would have won one of these matches, but nope, he never did. And he never even got close. Number five, Triple H and the Elimination Chamber. If Hell in a Cell is The Undertaker's match, then the Elimination Chamber is Triple H's. He invented the match concept way back in 2002, even though on TV the plaudits went to then raw GM Eric Bischoff and pretended to think it up during an episode of the Monday Night Show. And yes, that is Eric Bischoff getting involved again. Triple H told the WWE website that he drew a square cage and put four other squares in the corner, which makes it sound a bit like the game had come up with this while doodling. The King of Kings. Things went on to explain it would be six guys, two start and another wrestler enters every few minutes, but the real jaw would be the fact everyone was surrounded by this huge structure and yes, again, trapped in separate cages. It was a great idea however and again has stood the test of time. Number 4, Disco Inferno and the Man of 1004 Holds I don't know why Chris Jericho keeps coming up in this list, but it's probably a testament to how many good ideas he's been involved with throughout his career. Every year he seems to have at least one memorable moment, be it awesome debuts or light up jackets. Way back when he was first cementing himself in WCW though, he knocked it out of the park when feuding with Dean Malenko. As Jericho himself revealed during his podcast, the man of 1004 hold promo wasn't his idea and actually came from the brain of Disco Inferno. While Disco himself never hit the heights Jericho would, he was helping out behind the scenes in the 90s, which probably means a lot of people recognized he had a good mind for the business and thought Mr. Inferno could help in that regard. This is certainly evidence of just that. Why he then decided to parade around as a man from the 70s, I don't know, but hey ho, whatcha gonna do? Maybe he was just more suited to a backstage role than he was in front of the cameras. Number three, Eric Bischoff and the NWO. We've already had a couple of in-story suggestions that actually came from other people, but the NWO was born thanks to Eric Bischoff, even if we have to caveat that a little bit. The WCW head got the idea for the New World Order after he'd watched something similar go down in New Japan when the UWFI invaded to see both promotions go to war with one another. Thinking that could easily be translated across to a Western audience, he took the concept and adapted it to meet his own Plans. That's where the genius lied as well, because turning Hulk Hogan in 1996 and joining Kevin and Scott Hall was inspired, and the whole reason it took off like it did. No one wanted that to happen before Bischoff did, to the point he even had to convince Hogan it was a good idea. If he had refused, Sting would have taken up the position instead. The real highlight watching it today is that during the first promo, after Hogan reveals himself as Hollywood, is that he calls the NWO the New World Organization of Wrestling at least twice. That's not the name Terry, that's not the name. Number 2, Dusty Rhodes and Bray Wyatt Bray Wyatt's 2012 transformation from Husky Harris to the unhinged Hawaiian shirt-wearing cult leader was a stark one. We don't know where teleportation and chair rocking came into proceedings, but either way it was a very different character to what we had seen before. You would expect that a persona so specific would have been conceived in the mind of the person portraying it, and it was, sort of. Wyndham Rotunda, the man in control of Bray, knew broadly in which direction he wanted to go, but it was the late, great Dusty Rhodes who helped him fill in the blanks. The American Dream even encouraged Wyatt to practice is playing his new alter ego whilst he was being screened for jury duty to the point everybody associated with that decided against using him, obviously. For Dusty to be able to see what Bray was going for though and tweak it to the point it became what it was, well that's special. It also makes it an even bigger shame what happened to Wyatt over the few years where he fell from grace. This should have been the second coming of The Undertaker. It was not. Number one, Pat Patterson and the Royal Rumble. The best part of this whole story is that at first, Vince McMahon thought the idea of a Royal Rumble was ridiculous. Pat Patterson had to convince his boss for ages that it was not only a great concept, but that it would become what it has. Imagine if Vince had never budged, the very calendar of wrestling would be utterly different. It's strange too because the match itself was so simple. To think only one person came up with it is stranger still, as it's a stipulation that has kept on giving for over 30 years. It really was though, as the Rumble was, yes, actually the brainchild of inaugural Intercontinental Champion and longtime WWE writer Pat Patterson, who dreamed it up on his own, presumably, at some point during the late 1980s. It was tweaked and adjusted as the years went on, but the foundations of what it should be and how it should all work came from Patterson underlining how good he was backstage in the role he took on. What's more, incredible in-ring career besides, it's also a part of his legacy, and that can never be taken away. I bet he never suggested Vince McMahon should ever win one, however, because nobody else would have done.